Welcome to the 20th episode of the Boxers Podcast. I'm here with James. We're going to be for a special episode. We're going to be talking about the Indy 500, Formula E, and Formula One, and how they differ and how that there are positives and negatives for both. So we saw the uh, Indianapolis 500, or more commonly known as the Indy 500, uh, recently, as well as um, this weekend we had our uh, Grand Prix at Monaco, and then. Uh, in the uh, early days of May, we had also in Monaco the E-Prix, where Formula One uh, took to the streets of the Principality. Uh, so, yeah, we've got a great episode here today where we're going to be comparing all three different types of uh, of motorsport racing. Uh, so, James, do you want to start? Uh, which one do you want to start with out of uh, the three? I think we should start with um, what we're most familiar with, and um, I think guarantee what we've uh, both watched. I think we should start with the Monaco Grand Prix. And um, listeners, it's a very rare occasion I'm here to report that we actually had, we actually have something to report about the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, don't we? Well, I'll, uh, I'll 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 talk a little bit when we talk on to Formula E about overtaking at Monaco. I'll I'll save this bit, but just um, put one stat stat out here. There were 22 overtakes at Monaco. 12 of these were shown live. So it was one of the things that came in new um, this year was the fact that F1 were finally allowed to control uh, who had or who was able to do the photography because in uh, previous years it's been up to Monaco. They've been the only team, uh, only uh, race on the calendar that's been able to control uh, what they show. Now this led to the the famous Lance Stroll incident. Uh, it's always it always reverts back to Stroll, but um, yeah, that funny moment where it was uh, really tight in qualifying, and then suddenly a replay about Lance Stroll going over. Uh, uh, I think it was um, going a bit rough over one of the curbs. Got shown. Yeah, just just before um, just before rescue, I think just after the swimming pool. But yeah, um, yeah speaking of cameras, um, we've got. Are we looking forward to maybe a closer a closer grid in the coming future? Because of course we had um, two big names um, and their designs publicly uh, publicly displayed via crane. So first, of course, Lewis Hamilton. Um, I don't know where he binned. I think it might have been Mirabeau, but um, he, his car was hoisted up for the flats. Of course, Mercedes have got their uh, new aerodynamic um, design in principle that they've tested out at Monaco this uh, this this weekend, and we. And we got quite a good glimpse of uh, that as it was hoisted out of the air and um, and lifted to the height of an apartment block. And of course, um, of course, we saw on all the newspapers the brilliant image of Hamilton's um, underfloor and diffuser on all of the newspapers for everyone to see. So. Of course, initially I thought, well, that's not, that's not, that's not too bad. Mercedes have just literally debuted their design and. Whilst it looks competitive, certainly in the midfield, it's nowhere near Red Bulls. A Red Bulls. <laughs> well, Let's uh, into Red Bull. Um, <laughs> well, so, um, of course, one of the biggest uh, taking point talking points from uh, qualifying was that uh, Sergio Perez had binned it at Sandovox. So he decided that um, he'd be heroic and he'd go straight in and unfortunately it ended up with a P20 grid result. And yes, the crane, the the dreaded crane. I was I was thinking maybe they could have like got on the tow truck or maybe pulled it back to the to the um 
to the pits because, it, I mean, it was literally about 500 metres away. But uh, nope, Crane was there. And this, I believe, is what F1... Um, F, F, F1 team is going to be looking at that these images very very clearly. I think that uh, the one of the, one of the designers said that they'll be looking at the uh, the wooden the wooden plank underneath because that that says how much um, that tells F1 teams how the car is interacting with the uh, surface just with the amounts of wear and of course all the all the other winglets and stuff and that they can now see. And of course, the Red Bull's been such a dominant car, and it's inspired many copycats. So, since Honor and uh, in innovative designs that won up Red Bull has gone out the window now, um, I think we'll probably be seeing quite a, um, possibly six or eight Red Bulls now on the grid. Well, I, I think a lot more teams are gonna. Well, we, we haven't really seen the full extent of the Mercedes or the new Mercedes car because obviously it's supposed to happen at Imola. Um, that race was cancelled for the right reasons, um, but uh, that there was there's been a lot of debate certainly in the news about whether uh, the Mercedes should have uh, had Monaco as a test circuit originally. But I think, it, I mean, there are pros and cons. Obviously, if one of them crashed, and that could have been massive. But we got Spain next week. Um, that could definitely be an, an interesting one. But I think a lot more teams are going to be looking at. Um, at Red Bull rather than the team that I should probably brand the Aston Martin Red Bull Mercedes AMG Patronas. Yeah. Uh, see if uh, Lewis Hamilton can finally pronounce that. But just going back to Sergio Perez, uh, avid uh, players of the F1 games um, when Jeff was there. If uh, if only um, if only people had if only Sergio Perez decided to listen to. Uh, Jeff's famous line of no heroics into Sandavok, please. Well, I'm an, F I'm an F122 player, unfortunately. I have no prior experience <laughs> of uh, the yeah. legend of Jeff. I've, I've been told he was quite, um, quite a man. But anyway, um, let's, go on, to, let's, go on to, let's go on to the race. Of course, uh, we all settled down and we saw Max Verstappen bolt uh, Alonso at the start and not much grid change apart from, I think... Hamilton, no, Hamilton start P5. Anyway, scratch that. And it, it kind of devolved into the usual palaver of just, oh, it's a F1 parade. And then, and then we got the rain. And it it was not something the commentators hyped up very much. It was more like, <laughs> it was more kind of, you know, it's it, they, they definitely played the cards that it's, it's a, um, it's going to be light rain. And they said that it might might appear at the latter end, but no, I thought it slap it, it wasn't slap bang in the middle, and the amount of chaos that ensued from that could could fill several videos. Of course, we didn't get many overtakes as your stats suggested, but God, there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were happening. Of course, it, 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 I mean, it looked like nineteen ninety six Monaco with all the spray coming off the tyres. So, of course, Verstappen was pretty much safe in the lead. Alonso annoyed me because, well, the strategist anyway, because I said to my dad that they're probably, if, if they wanted to um, get a chance of challenging Matt, they should have come in, took the gamble of put on the inters, and I thought, right, right, yes, he's coming in now. And he put it on mediums. Well, before, back to... Before going out and coming back in again for inters again. Or it might have been wet, I'm not sure. But, I think it was inters. Yeah. But go, going back to... Uh... 
blame it all on straw. It's something that I think a lot of F1 fans do uh, do do. But the thing is, is that if Stroll had, uh, I don't know, Stroll crashed, he tumbled with the barrows, co- had contact with George Russell coming out as well, um, coming out when uh, when he did, he did a Rosberg. Uh, but, um, like, just before he got to the hairpin. But I think uh, as part of the blame has to go to Stroll because uh, Stroll didn't, uh, Stroll ended up retiring, but didn't, uh, he was the test subject being low down the order uh for the intermediate tyre, certainly for Alonso, and because he, he couldn't get the data because he wasn't driving very well. Yeah, but you could you could assume from the conditions that they were, de- they were yeah. definitely going to get worse. But um, as far as strategies go, uh, we can only go down from here. Um, Ferrari, of course, bottled it um, with, well, Cardinal Science kind of helped the process along by spinning out, I think, at the um, at Mirabeau. And then I think we had... And then, of course, I think I think the the two Ferraris dropped down at least. Um, I think it was seven and eight eventually from previous positions of I think fourth and fourth and fourth and six for Science and Leclerc respectively. But of course, the talking point of the um, entire pit stop debacle was, of course, Haas and their inspired decision with Kevin Magnussen, who was. Braving the conditions and sticking on the, sticking on the hard tyres despite all the rain falling down around him, and just as he was about to go into the pits, um, it all just got got too much of him, and he crashed at the uh, Raskas corner doing his perfect Michael Schumacher impress- impression, before going on to the wets, and then crashing at Mirabeau, which triggered quite a chain quite a chain reaction. We had. Um, we had George Russell going on as um, going off at Mirabeau as well, and uh, rejoining the circuit and colliding with Sergio Perez in quite a quite a foolish manoeuvre. I thought that was definitely deserved of the penalty, and yeah, what a what chaos, what chaos, and it's interesting that we actually got we we actually have a good race, a, a good Monaco race to compare. Uh, it's the E Prix later on. What, what any, any more thoughts, Russell? Uh, the the other thing is. Uh, there was a lot that happened in that Monaco Grand Prix, certainly towards the end. But I don't know whether it's just the novelty is beginning to wear off. But to me, certainly, it wasn't the most exciting race. When you compare it to other races that we've had, it it was a good Grand Prix. But there was nothing. No, c- certainly, it's yeah. Some some something. Sometimes it is due to the nature of the um, nature of the track. Of course, yeah. F one cars more more rep- more resemble limousines now, with just some uh, front wings and rear wings stuck on the back of them. And of course, yeah, it's F one has kind of outgrown Monaco in a sort of way. And of course, a particular type of motorsport, of course, we we've alluded to already, is quite well adapted to uh, Monaco. And but the but the thing the thing for me is that it was it was it wasn't exciting up until the rain come down so it came down and that was sort of the case with last year's as well so Monaco is really only exciting in qualifying which is epic I mean that's something that we didn't really talk about Alonso and Verstappen were brilliant in qualifying well done to you too that was a you're not going to hear my voice but uh, I just want to let you know that was a brilliant session that you provided for all of us but um yeah monaco is only exciting if you really if you've re- really got some changeable conditions and a bit of unpredictability 
uh, spiced in. Otherwise, it's a bit. It is a bit of a parade. Yeah. Uh, just uh, James, your choice again. Do you want to go with uh, to IndyCar or Formula E? Your choice. Uh, I want to save. Um, I want to save my my expertise to uh, to last. So I think I we go Formula E. So I haven't watched too many Formula E um, Formula E races. I think that I watched maybe two in the twenty twenty one season when it was available on a BBC iPlayer, and I, I I watched this guy called Maximilian Gunter. I think when yeah, his BMW. So there was a. It might have been a long time ago. I'm not sure. Um, but from. But I'd like to tell you my, my my memories of that race. Okay. I from what I got from it, and we'll compare it to your thoughts. The um, at the end, the strategy was actually very very interesting. I found it much more interesting than F1 because yeah. there was the constant threat of running out of charge, and of course that entire thing determines how 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 much how much how much faster can you go when can you overtake when can you push for the lead and of course that 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 race that i watched um the leader was under threat and of course un, um and of course maximum and gunter had to go around the outside of him because he had conserved just that little bit more and you can see you can see the charge um on the car and that and that just makes it that heightens the anticipation of the audience because you can see it just notice, noticeably going down. And an attack, an attack mode was also very interesting. I found that a brilliant addition because that that really kind of played into the strategy of it because it wants to be... Overtakes, overtakes are not inspired by pit stops generally. It's, and it's pit, pit stops don't inspire overtakes on its own it's always got to be an imbalance of pace between two different compounds of tire but with 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 formula e you've with attack mode you've got the you've got just got extra power for um for attack mode i believe and that gives you and that gives car noticeably more pace so from that from that perspective i thought it was a that that addition was brilliant and yeah but the thing that i did come away with is that comparatively the racing to F one wasn't quite so good, and by and what I mean by that is that the 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 cars and just the general racecraft seemed a bit clunky. I was, I saw I saw numerous overtakes where it was kind of just you know drivers driving into the side of each other and just get and there, there's a lot of contacts and none of it was none of it was particularly high speed as well. I thought, I've, and the and just the general location of the circuits as well were a bit poor because I mean I, I get I get that you need to you know put in place attack mode and all that and maybe and maybe even short circuits to adapt to Formula E cars but surely you you know bring it out bring it, bring Formula E to a proper racing circuit like uh, Brands Hatch Brands Hatch in, in uh, Formula E would be quite interesting I think but. Yeah, it's it's just a shame because you're always surrounded by these um these massive walls and and it's not very picturesque and like the best um the best F one circuits like Austria and uh, Mugello in twenty twenty. Yeah, that's that's certainly a very valid point about the circuits that they race on. Uh, just got um for some of the some of you listeners that aren't so um uh aren't ah. 
aren't so frequent in watching Hormel maybe you've never even watched it before, and I hadn't until uh, earlier today. Uh, so the F1 cars, they're 5.5 metres wide, and they're 2 metres tall. Um, whereas, uh, so the Formula E new cars uh, are only 5 metres tall and 1.7 metres 5 metres tall? Long! Uh, long, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I, I got that. I got that wrong. Not tall. And, and I, I, I think <laughs> two meters wide for the F1 cars. I, I've yeah, never, I've never wide, an F1 car tall. eclipsing me in stature. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's uh, that, that's my mistake. So sorry, it's um five point five <laughs> meters wide, uh, and then uh, two meters in wide for a Formula One car, and then five meters in length and uh, one point seven meters in width for a Formula E car. Uh, yeah, okay. sorry, right. so, sorry for that. They're not uh, two meters high, but um, yeah. So just to uh, uh, a bit of a rundown on Formula E. So there are twenty-two drivers. What F one used to be before they changed it. Uh, before uh, we saw a team uh, stop racing in F one. Uh, so one of the main things that I found is different. Is there are twenty-nine laps in the Monaco Grand Prix. So considerably shorter than a race, and uh, that that's found that that is mainly to do with the fact that it's either for, it's forty minutes to an hour each race is going to be, and that's half as much as an F one race. So uh, the, there's like uh, James alluded to, there's this thing called um, attack mode. So you can either so you can go off the racing line. At, one part of the circuit, and then you've got four minutes of uh, this thing called attack mode. So normally you run at three hundred watts, uh, kilowatts. Sorry, not three hundred watts. <laughs> I'm going great today. <laughs> uh, so normally you go at three hundred watts in the race, but this uh, attack mode gives you an extra fifty kilowatts. Uh, so it's a, like James said, it's a visible advantage. Um, and even at Monaco, where you think, oh, a boost isn't going to do much, it does a lot. So you've got four minutes of this. It has to be split up into two, and the drivers choose uh, which, which one they can do. So they can either do two two lots of two minutes, uh, a minute at the beginning and then three minutes later on, or three minutes at the beginning and uh, one minute later on. And you can choose exactly what lap you want to do these on. Ah, uh, okay. That, so, that's, that's something that didn't, I, I didn't yeah. really get. I thought it was just two... Two full, I don't know. For, I, I, I thought I think back back then. I don't know whether it's changed or Might whether have. it never changed at all. I thought it was maybe like five minutes and five five two minutes rounds or something. Um, yeah, I'm 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 not sure. Maybe maybe they did change it. Yeah. Um. So the the uh, the drivers. It, I think Fernando Alonso would absolutely love Formula E because. Uh, races have uh, the drivers have to make calculations mid race about how much energy they've got, how quick they need to go, and because the budget in Formula E is considerably less than F one, it means certainly for me that uh, commentary is better, it's more viewer friendly. Um, but just like on the engineering, there's so many, so many, so many few, or so, so much less engineers in Formula E as opposed to Formula One. And that means that a lot more is on the driver. So even though it might not, the cars might not be as good as Formula One cars, it's a lot more on the racing. So I'd say it's more similar to F two, 
in the sense that they're all equal cars. The only thing that's different is the powertrains, which yeah, means they try to manage their efficiency. I think I think the cars are, are over our overall a really good side of FE. Of course, um, with them being electric, they they're obviously you've obviously got the environmental aspects of that, which is brilliant. Um, spec series, of course, you've got a lot of advantage and disadvantage for the um, for for you know for the topic because on the one hand it takes away from the diversity and the creativity of the uh, of you know of, of races that we find in like F one and different different categories. But with the with the positive of closer racing and we from that viewpoint, FE certainly excels from that. Just with. Uh, a little, a little bit more racecraft would be a desired because, as I said, there's there was a lot of ploughing into the side of each other. So I think Max Verstappen would like it as well. It, it was certainly a bit more like a F1 2022 uh, open lobby uh, race. But um, yeah, just, just going on to um, to more things. I the main things that stood out to me was the racing was so so close, um, and that was it was consistently close. Now. In F1, you've got DRS trains, which are a common thing. And uh, DRS, or attack mode, is Formula E's equivalent of DRS. But the, the great thing that I find with attack mode is that it goes across the whole circuit, so it's not just in one particular place. And at the same time, you can miss the attack mode area. So I saw, um, I think it was Jack Bird in the most recent Monaco Grand Prix, uh, Prix, sorry, he went to go for the uh, for the um, attack mode kind of area off the racing line, ended up getting overtaken as a result of that, but actually missed the zone because he, uh, he, t- he turned out of the zone too quickly uh, and didn't go fully to the end. And that meant that he compromised his race, but by going for this extra boost, they ended up losing it. So I thought that was quite an interesting thing, uh, almost like a self-induced DRS failure um, but yeah. <laughs> it gives kind of more danger to going for it that you really you have to fully commit but um, yeah so I thought Formula E was great the fact that it was short as well meant that your viewer attention was a lot better but uh, I thought the commentary was a lot better too and this is something that we'll go on to talk about in, uh, in IndyCar but I thought because there's less of a budget and the one of the best things I found with Formula E is it's on Channel 4. So if you live in the UK, that's a great plus. You, uh, I'm 99% sure that uh, Channel 4 is free and that you do not need a subscription uh, to watch it on demand. Uh, you can also watch it on the terrestrial TV, which is great. Um, and I think, I think that's a great move. But the fact that uh, Formula 1, because it is the most prized... Um, Price race, most prized championship in racing. It means that obviously there's going to be more money there. So we've had Sky Sports. You can't go out without a race, or even a session in Formula One, without the Sky Sports commentary team talking about the new Sky Glass TV or, or whatever it is. And the fact <laughs> that you can watch on board. Yeah. Now, what James was saying earlier about camera angles and the fact that it looked really slow, that has changed. The thing that I I absolutely love, they had not just, um, I, I know F1 have adapted the helmet cam and the front wing camera as well, but there was 
the, the front wing camera was used a lot better in side-by-side -side battles, so you could actually properly see it. There was a camera right on the back of the car, which meant it was absolutely brilliant. And the thing that F1 fans have been crying out for ages is the fact that you could have, they had two cameras on at the same time, one on the left, one on the right, which meant that battles were great. You could be focusing on the main race in a big part, then a small part in the bottom right. You could have another battle further down the order, further down the order. And that meant that it was absolutely fantastic because you could focus on absolutely everyone and not just people at the front. And I find that with F1, most of the overtakes that are missed are all down the bottom of the pack. We saw some of the best fights actually being last year from like Mick Schumacher and Max Verstappen. I know that was shown on TV, but this is some of the, like, the battle right at the bottom. So I think Formula E has got a massive advantage um, and it's uh, over F1 and it is more viewer friendly. And I know I keep saying, now this is the main thing, now it's the main thing, but this truly is the best part of Formula E. And that is the fact that the racing, in my opinion, is so much better. It is uh, absolutely fantastic. There was three wide uh, hairpins side by side at Sandovot, three wide at Tabak. It was uh, it was absolutely mesmerising, mesmerising at the way that racing could be absolutely so good. But then... At the same time, like James was talking about with the energy, is that sometimes you have to tactically lose a place just so that you can actually finish the race. Because uh, you you can see, and this is a great thing about what the commentary does as well, is that they, they highlight the fact that some people are moving, uh, some people have got less energy than others. Uh, in 20 laps, the leader had gained eight places um, going from down the grid up to uh, P1. I, I just, uh, if you can get over... Might have been in P8, yeah. <laughs> maybe. But um, if you can get past the horrific sound, and yes, I do not like the sound, but if you can get... And yeah, the fan boost. Well, the fan boost is gone this year. The fan, the fan oh, the fan boost is gone. gone, okay. And it's right. been replaced with something else, which is called. Um, so th there was obviously this attack mode, but then... They're, they've, they're going to trial later on the season this thing called attack, attack charge. Attack charge. We have to go into the pit lane. Um, now, I don't really fully understand this one. but um, So you go into the pit lane to this attack charge. And uh, I'll, I'll read out what, on, on the official website, they call it. Later in season nine, attack charge using pioneering battery and charging technology will allow the newer, smaller, lighter Gen 3 cars to receive an in-race energy boost via a pit stop, delivered at a lightning-quick 600 kilowatts. This mandatory 30-second stop will unlock two attack mode periods, with the cars running at 350 kilowatts versus the stock 300 kilowatts. So I'm not too sure what they mean by that, but the main thing is that fan boost from last no. season <laughs> has gone, um, and then uh, there's going to be some, some races that are going to be this attack charge thing, which I don't really understand what they meant by the 350 and then the 600 kilowatts. But that sounds like a lot of charge comparing it to the standard 300. So that, that should be uh, should be very interesting. Yeah, and, plus, and, the, and the, last, the, the last thing I'd say is that um, about Formula E and late IndyCar is that it's not it's not starved of... that Both, both sports are not starved of oh, talented yeah, drivers. I think... Formula E, we've got we had um, we had Nick DeVries Nick DeVries back um, 
um, being winning winning the championship a couple of years ago is with um, Van Dorn, who was a two thousand eighteen um, McLaren driver. We had we had uh, Felipe Massa a couple of years ago, and um, and and likewise in yeah, and likewise in IndyCar we have um, Roman Grosjean and uh, Roman Grosjean, Marcus Ericsson from uh, yep. Sauber. Um, and just loads, loads of others, and quite a few F one champions have been uh, have um trans has made the transfer from IndyCar. So past champions like Michael well, Andretti. Kimi went um, uh, to IndyCar as well after Formula One, didn't he? Didn't Kimi Raikkonen go to IndyCar? Oh, I don't know. If I think he might oh, have went NASCAR, to NASCAR instead. Yeah. I'm not sure, but um. Yeah, NASCAR's something I need to watch. I haven't seen that yet. Just, um, I've, got, I've got, before we move but, on to IndyCar, I've got two more things to cover. Uh, the first one I'd like uh, your opinion on, definitely. So in formulary, they have only one compound, which is a multi-weather compound. And each driver can use no more than four new rear, rear tyres and four new front tyres for each event. So I, do you think that, now that obviously make, makes that there's going to be less... There's less pit stops because it's a shorter race as well. You don't have, um, you don't have obviously this need, need to pit like you do in F1. I think it is nice having to go from two different compounds, but it, it gives a bit of flexibility to the teams to have only one compound at a time. Or eco-friendly. Um, okay, so from... From what I understand, that's that sounds. I, I I don't mind that change because the strategy, as I've said, is just so good yeah. in FE, and it doesn't really need the, uh, the added added bonus of you know tire changes and pit stop strategy because it's just you know the 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 energy the energy loss is just such so engaging on its own. From although the the one thing I'd say is that can't is that shouldn't shouldn't F, shouldn't FE just engage in like proper wet uh, wet weather and dry tires because from what from I, I, I still think the, the rate the racing is the racecraft is still a little bit clumsy yeah and surely the addition of the addition of a dry tire and a wet tire would would greatly increase the um, greatly increase the you know the racing just with the drivers having more grip to play with and able to execute maneuvers better so surely a slick tire would be a slick tire could improve the racing, but I think the, um, you know, the tire allocation for the weekend is actually spot on. One thing that I, I think one of the best things that F one has got is the sense that because you've got the two the two driver, uh, two drivers per team, when it when you just turn to the wet weather, you've always got that consistent threat of uh, having to double stack, and this might not be as um, as important in Formula E because. Uh, each race is so different. So Pascal Verlein, for example, was in eleventh place for most of the um, Monaco, Monaco of the Monaco E Prix, and I think finished about twelfth or, or something like that. But he was a championship leader at the time, and this just shows how it's so different because they're all in equal cars. Um, but not just uh, the cars. Uh, the drivers uh, each race sorry not just each race in Formula E is different but also um, Formula E and Formula 1 are so different and um, earlier I I did lie I've got two more things to talk about instead of uh, uh, the two that I said initially once I covered one um, it, 
Indycar is covering soon, Russell. Um, so there is a different type of qualifying, which I won't talk about much. But um, so yeah, it, it's really complicated how they do it. But they split both drivers into two groups, um, and then where they have three hundred kilowatts, then fastest four drivers from each of the each group, which the groups are eleven. Uh, it's two groups of eleven. So then they get 350 kilowatts of power. It's it's very complicated, but basically they have jewels between basically um, one lap each for each driver. Uh, more than one lap, sorry. But it's basically a head-to-head showdown, and that continues to see who gets pole for that valuable three points they have in Formula E. Then the last one I'd like to talk about is just a bit of comparison between Formula E and Formula 1. Now, I know this is something that we should never do because Formula E is designed to help Formula 1, but not replace it. In the uh, Monogasque uh, E-Prix, there were 116 overtakes in total. Now, this is going off a very reliable source, this next bit, uh, I got this off Reddit, but, um, if, uh, so... Reputation yeah. in the mud. But if we, uh, if we took off... Uh, all the cars that have spun, you know, overtakes that have resulted from DNFs, lap one, or cars spinning, then uh, then last year's Monaco, last year's Monaco Grand Prix had twenty two overtakes, only twelve of them were shown live, as I talked about earlier, and that was the most overtakes since Monaco two thousand and eleven. So if we add up the uh, the whole in the last eleven years of racing, and that's obviously excluding twenty twenty, where there was no Monaco Grand Prix because of COVID, but um, there were a hundred and eight uh, of those overtakes in the last eleven years. There were hundred. That's a hundred and eight, whereas there were hundred and sixteen in one Grand Prix, and that Grand Prix was twenty nine laps. Whereas we're comparing this to over seventy laps um, for the last eleven years. So a quick calculation of 70 times 11, which is 770. To have, so just to put that into perspective, we've got 108 overtakes in 770 laps, or more than that. And we've got 116 overtakes in 29. I'll leave that, I'll leave that there and let's go on to IndyCar. Uh, I'll now hand over to James. Goss, hello. I thought that. I thought that he's is, is he done? Gosh, okay. All right, okay. I can finally talk. I can finally talk about IndyCar and why I think IndyCar has actually secured a new viewer to the um, Indy Five Hundred. So I think before Indy Five Hundred. I'd watched, well, I'd at least attempted to watch a couple of IndyCar events. And my general impression was that I was not impressed with it. Um, overall, the cars just, they, they lacked the elegance that the um, that Formula One cars showed, especially around street circuits that, um, in America. And and over, overall, the racing was poor. I didn't see much overtakes to, to suggest that it was better than F1. So... And so I and until this weekend, where I decided to give the Indy Five Hundred go, and yeah, I am incredibly impressed with what I saw. Of course, it was different for the last events because whilst I watched road courses with IndyCar, 
I watched a speedway race, which is far different. Of course, the the tracks aren't the most exciting. I've got to, I've got to admit because um, Indy Indy Indianapolis um, itself consists of uh, the an incredible quantity of four corners in its entirety, and but it's the it's the just the general the general presence of the track. I think that the presence is the right word. Because it's 500 miles, 200 laps of a, a circuit which has lasted, I think it's the 107, 107th running of this event. And we've, and it's, um, and we, and I get to watch cars that go. So, again, quick comparison. The fastest F1, uh, fastest of an, an F1 car has ever gone in a race, in any like qualifying session, was 238, I think, in Baku by Valtteri Bottas. Or it might be two hundred and thirty-seven, but IndyCar drivers, they they average around 200, 220, and they can exceed about two hundred and forty in all in all their qualifying laps, and they're doing this for two hundred laps, two hundred laps of intense concentration at speeds that will that will result in quite a severe accident, and for that it's. It is. It's quite a spectacle, and I'm and I was very impressed by it, by it certainly. And of course, the the strategy. What is not not really is in not quite as engaging as Formula E. It was still quite interesting. It's with the um, yeah, two the two front row or, well, front front row is a bit interesting in that they start in um start in freeze, but um nonetheless uh P one and P two in qualifying, um Polo and VK respectively. They were they were constantly changing position because of course, at those um, at two hundred thirty miles an hour, the slipstream forces are incredibly 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 strong. So of course that counts between that counts towards um, fuel mileage. So you can you can choose to stay behind, stay behind the race leader and conserve a bit more fuel, and you know extend a stop or just go. Go full on and and maybe even not make a stop at all whilst your rival has to because he's been subjected to the force the force of the wind whilst you've only been made subjected to about I don't know seventy five percent that and you save that little extra and yeah it's it's incre- it's much more tactical than I thought it would be but um I have to admit I have to admit I what me and my dad who were watching it just after Monaco. Thought they were quite similar for the first half, and in in that there wasn't a ma- lots going on, and there was an every overtake for the lead. It wasn't a definitive, so from that perspective, it was it was eh, it was all right. But then, we had the last quarter, and the last quarter was genuinely one of the most exciting racing events I've ever seen. It's because so. Of course, maybe there was a bit of um, bit of Australian twenty twenty three red flag shenanigans. We had, I think, three in total, but three of those red flags, and I'll just say this: they were absolutely deserved. There was an aerial crash. We had Grosjean, which is always, um, well, Grosjean, Grosjean got a yellow flag. Never mind. We had we had um, F we had Indy cars on the front straight away, so you don't want to be crashing into those at you know two hundred miles an hour. And lastly, you don't you don't need, um, you, you definitely needed um, a red flag when 
Alex Pillow went into the barriers at about 180 miles an hour. But, um, no, not Pillow. Not Pillow. Oh, Ward. Very sorry. But, yeah, those those were deserved. And we ended up with a one-lap shootout. And, yes, I'm a, I know this may sound familiar. And perhaps if I was a really big Marcus Ericsson fan, I'd be very, I'd be very angry. But from from the, you know the perspective of a new fan, it was incredible. We had a last lap overtake, and we had we had an, a first time winner, and we saw the elation on his face on his on his face as he'd won this. I think his name was uh, Joseph Newgarden. It was apparently a brilliant, brilliant race in his own right, and I can I I'm unsurprised by that um, by that prospect. So because uh, went into the fans, celebrated it, and I would not be doing that. Well, imagine if Max Verstappen did that twenty twenty one Abu Dhabi. That'd be interesting. Well, I'd, I'd rather have yeah, him the... uh, in the crowd than uh, seeing that tire come over. That was a uh, a very horrible experience. Yeah. We're very uh, glad to see that no one was hurt and that didn't uh, didn't actually go into the. Well, he went in. He went over the barriers, but thankfully didn't find itself in in the crowd because that could have been. A very horrible incident, but um, it's it's amazing how yeah. interesting uh, eight hundred corners can be, um, yeah. especially when you're paying uh, for uh, BT Sport. Obviously, that's inc- if you're. Uh, we talked. I I didn't I didn't, I didn't oh, pay for anything. Well, how did you watch it then? Mm, I think I I think I watched it on a. Uh... Just after the F one F one broadcast, but uh, okay. Because when I when I was looking, I did. Yeah. It, yeah, it, was, it was it was on it was on the F one channel. I can't remember what, quite what it was, but um, yeah, it was. Uh, one one thing I would say though is that um, what I found quite interesting was that you'd have um the the um American commentators would you know amount announce uh, adverts or commercial breaks, and you know they uh, <laughs> they cut away and suddenly we we get a new batch of commentators for the uh, European audience. There was there was one particular particularly funny moment where he said, "Now we're going to see a new trailer of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Sun or whatever," and then we and then we immediately switched over to the European commentators. So, you know, if you're in a if you're in a European if you're a European fan, then sure, go watch go watch IndyCar because you're not getting any interruptions. You're just going to get, you know, a hint of what the American audience might be watching, and then you'll switch over to the European. Uh, uh, European audience, and so yeah, from from that perspective, um, win win. And the racing, the racing is pretty good. It's not it's it's more much more tactical, and it's much more high speed than any anything F one will get in it. So it's 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 quite simple. If you make the if you make the move, like um, I think it was, um was uh, Santino Ferrucci. He was he was overtaking around the outside around over 200 miles an hour um consistently. He was quite he was quite something to watch. And it's and if if you do that, you're a hero. If you do what O'Ward did on the I think 5 laps from the end, desperately trying to get back into a race winning position, you are going in the barrier. It's as simple as that. And if you and when and if you go into the barrier, as we saw with um, the crash that you mentioned about the tire flying over, you're going to you are going to you know potentially cause quite quite the chain reaction, and of course from that perspective, yeah, the safety is 
it that was one of the moments where I had my heart in my mouth and was like, oh, I'm not sure. But it was it was everyone was okay. It wasn't and if we're honest, we've seen dangerous incidents like show and uh, Grosjean before, so it wasn't. So we we we've we've seen we've seen it. It was everyone was okay, and that's as as long as that happens, it was good. But yeah, I've I'm in, I'm very impressed by Indianapolis from that, and I'll probably watch more speedway races from now on. What about you, Russell? Uh, well, I think it, it's certainly a convincing argument that you've put across. I think I uh, I I I might watch a couple more of the highlights for Indy, but um. So I think I'm going to watch a, a bit more foinery. It's coming to London um, in the summer, which is going to be great. Um, tickets are considerably cheaper than uh, Silverstone, but they are um, they are still a bit too expensive, I would say, for most families. Certainly, if you're going with uh, more than one person. But um, I think it's certainly been very interesting to have a look at this. Um, James and I definitely hope that. You will go on to watch other formats of racing, um, and yeah, that's an insight into uh, the or expanding the racing world. Thank you. Thank you very much.